You're listening to the Bride Chilla Podcast, helping bride chillas and groom chillas plan their wedding minus the bullshit. One podcast at a time with your host, Alicia McCormack. Well, ahoy, my friends, my bride chiller and groom chiller friends. This is the Bride Chiller Podcast, a podcast that helps you plan your wedding without losing your shit, hopefully. Although if you do lose your shit occasionally, that is A-OK. There's no such thing as perfection. We're all just doing our best. Today, I'm very happy to bring back a fellow bride chiller and also a bride chiller vendor, our lovely friend, Kevin Elizabeth. She's a photographer. She's a legend. I love her guts. Welcome, lovely friend. Thank you again for having me. I'm so excited to be back. I think this is uh, the third time I've been on. So yeah, third time's a charm. (laughs) Sure is. Third time is a charm. And it was so nice. We met in person. Kevin came all the way from, uh, from, you know, Southern California (laughs) and... You didn't just come for me, obviously. I think you just flew over to yes, have just with, with you. Me. She flew all the way to have dinner with me, but we had a lovely dinner. And it's so nice to meet my bride chiller friends in person because I think we talk over the interwebs and then when we see each other, it's just nice. Yes. We talk business. We talked weddings. Mm-hmm. We talked a lot of other shit. And it was great. Yes. And we had a tiramisu, and I choked uh, from inhaling it a couple of times. So, yeah. I mean, I love a tiramisu, but the problem is when they put the dusting of chocolate on the top, it's like you're probably going to choke or die during It is. I mean, you had to flag the waiter down for water for me. (laughs) If it wasn't you, it was going to be me. So one of us was going to do it. I mean, this is only two cocktails in, so I can only imagine (laughs) what else would have happened. I don't even need a cocktail. The public choking for me happens sober anytime. I'm known in my office to go, what's happening there? Is she expiring? No, just eating food and choking as per normal. That, that's like kind of me on the weekly. My husband's like, are you choking in your office in there? And I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. Yep. <laughs> yep. If you hear it, if it goes silent, send help. Exactly. <laughs> if I'm screaming, it's um, probably yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah, it's like, exactly. If there's noise, it's all right. But if it's silent, come check, please. Please do a check. Now, it was exciting because, as I said in the intro, you are a bride chiller. You have been married very recently. Congrats. Yes, thank you so much. Um, Yeah, we got married on April 7th in San Diego, and I guess it was like a week and a half ago. Martha Stewart Weddings published our wedding, so we were finally allowed to share. So I've been like sharing all over the place, and I'm like, I hope people aren't sick of it yet because I'm still not done sharing. Um, But yeah, it was really fun. We went super original and unique and extremely colorful, which was so much fun. So it was like a little refreshing uh, day of a wedding. And I hope it inspires other brides that, you know, you do you and don't be afraid to be different and do something that's totally unique and never before seen. And don't be afraid of your judgy friends because you know what? (laughs) (laughs) Everyone's going to love it. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Well, I mean, and you, look, I would love actually. Now it's out in the wilderness. I, in to coincide with this episode, I would love to share a couple of your pics because they are absolutely exquisite. You sure. look stunning. Thank you. Both you. look stunning. Your dress is uh, the bomb. dot com. I just have you <laughs> dress because I, I no, not yet, <laughs> not yet. I hope it gets sold because we are renovating our bathroom soon, and <laughs> <laughs> that's going to help pay for it. <laughs> now this dress, I have to say, chillers, and you will see it in my Instagram post this week. And, and uh, it may be sold by the time this episode goes out. Maybe not. You might be able to snap it up. This yes. dress is 
it is unique with a capital U. And everyone says their wedding dress is unique, but this one, I don't know, it's it's pretty fucking beautiful. What it, dress was it? Talk about it. Yeah, so <laughs> all the important things first. Uh, it's yeah. made by Marquesa, and it's from, I believe, their Resorts 2020 collection. I'm still not sure, you know, mm-hmm. what is the difference between resort and spring. But anyway, oh. it is very colorful. It's mostly blue. So it's like a blue kind of organza skirt and then a bunch of very colorful floral appliques all over mostly the top. It's kind of a long bell sleeve, which I never thought I would do a long bell sleeve, like, but it really was just really fun and beautiful. So yeah, it's just kind of like a color explosion. It's got, I would say maybe a hint of an Asian influence to it, but it's, it's definitely like a color bomb. So if you are looking for a colorful wedding, dress like this is it (laughs) yeah I mean this is the mother of all colorful wedding dresses but when you explained it to me and then when I saw the image I was like I was like whoa this is this is really beautiful it's beautiful it was fun Um, oh yeah it yeah and it totally reflects you I think having met you in person and having spoken with you over the last I don't know 18 months but then having met you I go oh my gosh this is exactly what I would expect Kevin to wear. And also, you wore it really well. Look Thank at that. You. sucked up, but I mean that in such a true and honest way. And people are like, all right, shut up, Alicia. Let's move on with the episode. But I can't because it was very beautiful. Just go see the dress and you'll be like, I understand why they uh-huh. took so much time to talk about it. Yes, exactly. Exactly. All right, I will post it this week. Please check out the Instagram. And obviously, you can check Kevin's Instagram because it's going to be there all over the place. Yes. Now, we are here today to talk photography, which is what you do by day, you're not just a bride chiller, not just a bride chiller. I mean, Correct. Like when people go, I'm just a mom, and you're like, no, you're not. You're a person. You've got exactly. things going on. Have other identities. You've got a lot of things going on, but you are also you have very good skills because your professional profession is as a photographer. So yes. we we had discussed bringing you on to do a Q and A episode, and mm-hmm. I am going to be honest with you from the get go. I think this is going to be more than one episode because when I put a call out in the Facebook community, it went off and people have a lot to ask. <laughs> yes, they do. <laughs> so we're going to try and just power through this as much as we can, but we may have to come back for an additional episode. And Perfect. I think, that's cool. I think yes. that's cool. So let's just, let's just smash it through and see how we All right. uh, start at the top, best place to start. Mm-hmm. Bright Chiller Justine asks or says, we are not doing a first look. Any tips to get all our photos done while our guests are at cocktail hour without running over into the reception? And there were quite a few people that said, second, please tell us about this. Mm-hmm. I second this because uh, I think the first look is a big conversation. I know they're becoming a lot more popular. Yep. Let's explain what a first look is because I think it's good. In America, it seems to be a thing. Elsewhere, it's taking a little bit longer to catch on. So if mm-hmm. you can start with a description of a first look, and then let's just crack on and answer, Justin. Sure. So the first look is the act of the bride and groom seeing each other before the wedding ceremony. So it is their first look. It's done way more privately than up at the front of the aisle, and it allows you to go ahead and start getting your portraits out of the way because you've already seen each other. So it's kind of one of those things that has a lot of benefits to it. But there are some couples who don't want to. Honestly, it's it's so funny to me. Usually it's the groom in my weddings who does 
doesn't want to do the first look. Like the bride's usually like, I want to do it. I want more pictures. Oh. I like, and it's, it's pretty much always the groom. The bride's like, I push, but he said no. And I'm like, okay, that's totally fine. We'll, oh, we'll work so it out. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay. I thought he didn't care about anything else <laughs> that you've described to me, but this one. All right. And usually that's why the bride's like, fine. Cause this is the only thing he asked about. So yeah, that's, that's pretty much at least my experience. And you know, the harsh reality of stuff in weddings often is that everything is a give and take. So if you're not doing a first look, you do have to complete all of your bridal party, your family and your bride and groom or bride and bride and groom and groom mm-hmm. portraits during that cocktail hour, which is typically only an hour unless you are making it an hour and a half. So the thing is, is to get them all done in that amount of time, well, one, you're going to have less bride and groom photos or, you know, whatever. I'm just going to say bride and oh. groom, but you know, I mean, everything. Love is love. Exactly. We're very supportive, <laughs> but we've got limited time. We've got 48 fucking yes, thousand questions. Exactly. Just make it <laughs> exactly. You know, I love you all, no matter what kind of couple you are. <laughs> couple shots. There we go. Done. Yes, there we go. Easy. So your couple shots are not going to be as, um, I would say, diverse. You're not going to have as much time as you would if you had 45 minutes to an hour just to do those earlier in the day. But, you know, another thing you can do is to make your family list on the shorter side. Some people will say, I want a bunch of couple shots. And I'm like, great, let's have a shorter family shot list. And then they send me over like 30 groupings. And I'm like, girl, this is going to take us 30 minutes alone, maybe more to get through this family. Then you've got 30 minutes. It's left over to do bridal party. And if you've got a big bridal party, that's going to take a while, especially, you know, if you want like a bunch of different group shots and then the couple shots. So just, you know, if you're wanting to get them all done and you want to prioritize couple shots, keep your family list, I would say, to under 10 groupings, condense them, you know, make sure that everybody knows where they're supposed to be so they don't wander off. That happened to me recently and it made it last so much longer than we had such limited time for couple shots. So that's just some things that I would help say. But then another really great tip, and this is something I've started doing at weddings that do not do a first look, is to do all of the bridesmaids' uh, photos kind of earlier in the day and the groomsmen's photos earlier in the day, obviously separately so you don't see each other. But that way you can at least get all of the women together and then all of the men together and you could do individuals. So when I say individuals, I mean the bride with each bridesmaid, groom with each groomsman or whatever it is. And that way after the ceremony, you do your family. And then all you have to do is the big combined bridal party group shot and it saves so much time. So that's one thing that I would say to do if you're not doing a first look and you value couple portraits and you want to make sure that you get everything done and get as much as you can, do the separate bridal party shots earlier in the day. Really good suggestion because I think that does eat up so much time. And then also the idea that you have. Yes. um, Also, I was going to mention someone do you think to have a nominated person to hunt and gather the family and friends? Because as you said, people wander off, they go and get a cocktail, they go and have a chat, and then you're just like, I just need Uncle Barry. And then fucking Uncle Barry's disappeared and he's the one dude. Yes. Always <laughs> I don't know if we all have Uncle Barry, but the one person that's always wandered off and then if you've got someone there with the list mm-hmm. that's not necessarily just your photographer who knows who these people are because it really helps to have someone that goes, oh, that that's Uncle Barry and that's Auntie Sharon. and Yes, because we don't know. know. Exactly. So (laughs) nominate a person that can be that person. Then they also, it's a good way to get rid of a a job, I suppose, to be able to then shift up the job and make them feel special, even though it's a bit of a shitty job, but give it to them and they'll feel good about it. Yes. (laughs) 
Exactly. Yeah. That's a fantastic idea. And really the biggest thing you can do ahead of the wedding is to tell every single family member that you've put on your list. Um, and I think we'll probably get to this later, but I, I do always require a list for family photos. I don't want a shot list for any other part of the day, but for yep. family, I have to know, cause I'm not just going to start doing a free for all make assumptions. What if there's divorced people, or I don't include somebody who's extended family, but they're important. So get that list and then contact every single person on that list, especially for a first look and say, we are going to do these family photos immediately after the ceremony. Do not go to cocktail hour. Please stay in your seats and be there. You need to tell them this, like, because the weddings that don't really make a big deal about this, we lose them. And then it takes several minutes to get them. And it's just a nightmare. And then somebody's like, oh, I'll go get them. And I'm like, wait, I need you for the next shot. You're gone. Like, so it's just can be a nightmare very quickly. So if you want things to run smoothly and you want to maximize your other portraits during cocktail hour, prep your family, tell them how important it is that they do not wander off after the ceremony until they've been released. Excellent. And I think you are very right about the communication because if people don't know where to go, people don't know where to stand or be at the time, mm-hmm. then they will just wander off because that's what you do at a wedding. You go and find a drink, you talk to your friend. Ugh. Yes. Exactly. So, and I always tell family and bridal party, I'm like, look, the better you pay attention, the more you listen and are good team players, the faster you can get over to that bar. And then usually that motivates people to pay attention and we get it done as fast as humanly possible. I've had so many family members be like, that was the fastest I've ever done family photos in my life. Like, thank you so much. And I'm like, yes, thank you so much. Cause I don't want to spend more time than I have to either doing those. We all want that cocktail <laughs> and you want to go home at the end of the day. Done. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I do. Right, that's very good. And I think it's really interesting that I know we've got a lot of questions. I keep looking at the questions and I want to talk about this more, but I think it's an interesting observation you made about a lot of the groom chillers not being as into the first look. And I wonder what that is. I wonder what the psychology behind mm-hmm. it is. I don't know. It's so interesting. I'll hear from my brides. Oh, he wants to see me for the first time on the aisle. Um, Sometimes they're like, he's more traditional. And you know what's interesting? I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but uh, in tradition, actually, the bride and the groom, or who actually was always in tradition, really long time ago, it was only ever brides and grooms. They did not see each other before the ceremony because it was always an arranged marriage and they did not want the groom fleeing the scene at the sight of the bride. before the, it was too late, you know? So that's what it's based on. So I don't know, maybe if you're a bride or a groom and your significant other is pushing back on the first look, but you want to do it, you can tell them, Hey, well, <laughs> the whole tradition of not seeing each other till the ceremony is not really based on very romantic things it's at all. very traditional. And also I feel like it's a nice little moment for you <laughs> to have with your partner as well. I think you said it last oh. time, it's some of the nicest sort of more authentico moments where people actually go yes a bit of quiet time let's have a little quick chat it's so nice. It really is. And I've had some couples on the fence and I, I'm never going to push a couple to one direction, but I am going to tell them the benefits mm. of doing it. And I've had a few couples on the fence say, okay, we'll go ahead and do it. And they've told me after, we're so oh, glad we did it because having that private moment and then not having to like hold back the tears. And then we were, you know, it was just really lovely. And then we got some portraits out of the way. And then that way, after the ceremony, they get to go enjoy themselves and they get to go mingle and those couples typically also prioritize speaking with their guests and spending more time with their guests. And that was certainly a priority for my own wedding, even though we did a ceremony at the courthouse on a separate day. So we just literally had a cocktail and reception. We still did like a first look and it was nice to see each other in private and get all the photos done and then just go join the party for the rest of the day. 
Yeah, I think it's a really good use of time, a really good use of a bit of a mosh. And yes. just get into the modern times, guys. There you yeah, go. it's lovely. Yeah. Bride Chiller Nicole, this is this is the last question prior to our break. Attention, okay. everyone. Prior to our break. <laughs> uh, Bride Chiller Nicole says, what are some do's and don'ts from a photographer's perspective on how the couple can create better photos on the day? Now, we will say... We did a whole episode about this, and while mm-hmm. we talk, I'm going to Google which one it is. <laughs> <laughs> nice, because <laughs> I should know. But I, I've done this is like you've done so many hundred and eighties. I can't yeah. remember everyone off the top of my head. <laughs> but I wonder. I will, Nicole. I will send you back to that episode. But let's just recap a little bit. Some some hot tips from Kevin about how to make things easier for you, the photographer, and them, the couple. Yes, uh, the first tip is going to be go buy my book. <laughs> yes, yes, good. Look, I'm clapping because yes. Shameless plug, uh, A Bride's Guide to a Picture Perfect Wedding, it. and it teaches couples all about how you can make the most of your photos and give your photographer the best canvas to work with because we're not magicians. We do our best, but if you do a little on your part, you might be able to help those photos be even better. So that's just my first tip. Go buy it. You will love it. It's got great feedback. Anyway, the second tip is to always trust your photographer. If they are giving you advice on something and their experience, they are trying to keep your best interest at heart. So even if it might not be what you want to hear, or maybe it doesn't, yeah, I don't know. You're just kind of like, eh, really? They are trying to help you out. I always educate my couples. At the end of the day, they can take it or leave it. I love when they take it because it helps them. It also helps me. And it's just something to keep in mind. If they're giving you advice, it's coming from a place of experience and love and care, and they want to make sure that you really have the best possible photos. I think that's a good tip, and I think the idea that you um, communicate with your photographer, obviously, mm-hmm. as to what you want to achieve, and then hopefully before, you know, we did talk, and it was episode 343, Ooh. one of them, and episode 310, there mm-hmm. you go. You did talk a lot about um, the expect sharing your expectations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, if you've booked this photographer, we're hoping yes. that you like what they do. <laughs> yes. And you've had a discussion. But then knowing your expectations of the day and the photographer sharing their expectations of what they want to achieve mm-hmm. makes things easy. Yeah. Dude, it all comes back to communication, doesn't it? It really does. I mean, that's that's a huge do is communicate, build trust. And one of the ways you can do that is before you even book them, hop on the phone. Some people are so afraid of the phone. They want to try to do everything over email. And email is just not Ugh. that efficient. And honestly, this is a person you're going to be spending pretty much your entire wedding day with. So you should probably talk to them, even if it makes you nervous. Like they're going to be nice. I mean, they're trying to book you. So they're going to be really nice. And, <laughs> you know, it should be a pleasant <laughs> experience. So, I would say at least talk with them beforehand. That way you really feel like you can trust them. And then, you know, if as long as you can do the engagement session with that same photographer, build that trust. That's a really big do. And some people are like, oh, I can't, we're not going to be around them. And I'm like, I have literally done an engagement session with a couple the morning before their wedding, like not the same day, but the day before um, when they came into town, because it's just such a great experience to have. And for other destination weddings, we'll do it two days before the wedding and So you can really do it at the last second. Some people say, well, it does cost more. And honestly, I would argue that it is a really good way to spend your money. Even if you're like, I don't need engagement photos because everybody says that. For me, the engagement session is more about the experience, getting used to how your specific wedding photographer works. So that way on the wedding day, there's not really any surprises. You already know what's going on. I do notice 
a fairly large difference with my couples who I maybe have one every few years who doesn't do an engagement session with me. And I do notice a bit of a difference with them. It takes them longer to warm up. Like I might make some suggestions and they're like, what? And I'm like, huh it's going to be great. But they don't know, you know, they don't know from experience that when I tell them to do this crazy thing, it's going to turn out great. And like, so I would say really try as much as you can. I know a lot of people are like, Oh, my friend offered to do engagement photos. Like, and I don't want to hurt their feelings. I want to let them do something. Let them photograph your bridal shower or something like that. And then try to have your wedding photographer do the actual engagement session because, you know, having that is great. And if you really, truly cannot do that, then try to at least have a Skype date with your photographer before the wedding you know, a separate from the booking to really get to know them and feel more comfortable with them. Yeah, just connect. We're in modern times, people. Mm-hmm. You can't have an excuse to not connect with people. Uh, good answers as always, Kevin. Now, next up after the break, I want to talk makeup, which is something I know we've discussed before, but we've got some really good hair and makeup questions. Mm-hmm. And then also about lighting. Lighting's very important. Yes. And uh, thinking about the venue and where you'll be having and when you'll be having photos. Yes. Also very, very juicy and important. There will be more photography questions with my friend Gavin after this very short but very important break. Chillers, my goal with creating the Bride Chiller podcast and all the other things attached to Bride Chiller is giving you support and encouragement and making you realize that your problems, your challenges, any issues that come up with wedding planning and beyond are solvable and something that we can work on together. Often it takes someone to say, hey, it's okay. Let me help you look at this from a different perspective. Over the years, I have sought help from counsellors and therapists, and it has been the most positive step I can take on my own for myself when it comes to dealing with anxiety and stress. And uh, when I broke up with my ex, when I cancelled that wedding, if you haven't heard about that, go back to episode one. I'll tell you all about it. It was really tough, but being able to speak to a professional that wasn't a family or friend and actually be able to unload and hear their perspective and response was super helpful, which is why when BetterHelp contacted me to be a partner on the podcast, I thought they were a, such a good fit for the Bride Chiller community. BetterHelp is an online platform to help you connect with qualified therapists and counsellors worldwide so you can have therapy sessions in your own time online. I love this idea because not all of us have the funds and the means to be able to go along to regular counselling and also time is a big thing for me. I'm trying to work a freelance job and run a business so being able to log on to BetterHelp and speak with a counsellor in the time limit that I set is really valuable for me. Whether you are dealing with stress or anxiety, self-esteem issues or perhaps you just want to give yourself a boost or if you want to have some couples therapy, couples counselling before you get hitched or ongoing, then BetterHelp may just be the ideal place for you to visit. Working with BetterHelp is convenient, secure and you will be connected with a professional who deals in your specific area of need. It's really affordable with financial aid available for those who qualify and also that you have four different modes of communication, text, chat, phone and video so whatever works for you will work for them too. If you would like to explore what BetterHelp has to offer then make sure you visit betterhelp.com slash bright 
BRIDECHILLER and use the promo code BRIDECHILLER for 10% off your very first month. Simply fill out the online questionnaire to help them assess your needs and get matched with a counsellor that you will love. All you need to do is visit betterhelp.com slash BRIDECHILLER. Our friends at Zola have been helping bride chillers and groom chillers create their very own wedding registries. But did you know that you can also create all of your printed wedding items via the Zola website? Like save the dates, invitations, day of paper, like programs and menus... And of course, don't forget your thank you cards. You can manage your head counts with Zola's free easy guest list manager tool and you can also print out your guest addresses for free on envelopes. Plus, let guests RSVP online with your free matching wedding website so everything will look like it's the same and you can stay on budget. Order your free sample pack today or get a single printed proof of any card. Zola takes the stress out of wedding planning with free wedding websites, the easiest wedding registry and affordable invitation suites. With over 90,000 five-star reviews from couples and guests, you cannot go wrong with Zola. Sign up at zola.com slash bridechiller and get 30% off your invitations and paper order. That is zola, Z-O-L-A dot com slash bridechiller and receive 30% off your invites and paper order. All right, we are back. We are smashing out. Gosh, we're like three questions in. We've literally got like 40. I've had a couple of questions. Uh, I, I do notice I'm trying to go through and then, you know, get them all together because I know this is a very important part of the day photography. And yes. this is the one thing that you will capture and keep hopefully forever. Yes. Or as long as your marriage lasts. <laughs> and <laughs> let's be realistic. Some people won't love their wedding photos in the future, but let's hope they will. Not scratching out someone else's face. So um, <laughs> hair and makeup. This was something that came up quite a few times in our questions in the Bride Chiller Facebook community. I'm Melinda was the first one to hit it, so I'm going to credit her with this question. Okay. She says, Kevin, important tips for hair and makeup. So it translates well into photos. Mm-hmm. If you're doing hair and makeup, she said, because I know some people um, are going lighter on the hair, and, make- hair mm-hmm. and makeup. That's absolutely fine. There's an extension of this question, which I thought was also a good little point to make. Jessica says, do you really, in capitals, really need <laughs> heavier makeup for good photos? Which I think is a very... Interesting question. Great question. I'm keen to hear your answers. Yes. So that is kind of true. I will say that you need, okay, the camera does weird things sometimes. It does beautiful things and it does weird things. Mm. Makeup always shows up less on camera than it does in person. It's so bizarre, but that is. That is like a fact, okay? I'm declaring that as a fact. And <laughs> I find hair, you know, kind of translates similarly. I think slightly more volume than you're used to performs better on camera. But when it comes yep. to makeup, you if you have your face just exactly as you are and you photograph it, your makeup will not show up as much as it looks like in person. So you do not have to have heavy makeup, but I will say that if you want it to show up, you have to have more than you would wear normally, if that makes sense, or more than you would, more than you think. So, you know, I like not heavy makeup, but I'm not a natural makeup person. 
I am on my day to day because I never put on makeup unless I'm doing something important. But for my wedding and events, I want a fun, bold eye. I mean, you guys will see in my wedding photos, I want a bold lip. I want it to be like there and present. I don't want to look like a clown. I don't want to go overboard. I don't want necessarily like full Kardashian glam, but I do want to be able to see it. I have brown eyes, which I feel like can handle a little bolder eye better than maybe some lighter color eyes. But you do have to have more than you think you would. So do your trial. Maybe have it for your engagement session or separately take some photos and you'll kind of see that it doesn't show up as crazy. Now, obviously, if you're taking those photos like two inches from your face, you might. But if you're taking them at a normal distance, then you'll kind of really start to see that you need a little bit more. Maybe a pair of lashes or some individual lashes you might not have considered. But now you're like, wow, my eyelashes disappear when I have just mascara on them. So it's kind of those personal preference things, but have a little bit more than you would normally have. And that way it will show up better on camera because again, the camera does weird things and it likes to minimize your makeup a little bit. Worn makeup on television, which is a whole nother, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. You yep. Know, when, when you're in a studio and I remember they started to use what they call, you know, HD, HD makeup, yep. which is basically like airbrushing makeup on your face. And I, they would do different makeup for me if I was going out to do a field story, I mean, out in natural light to go and yep. film something on location. But then when I was in the studio, you'd get a, a much different um, makeup look. And then I think, you know, and I'm happy to share some photos of me in a TV studio and you would see and look at the images of me going, oh, it looks quite normal. Whereas yeah. the harsh studio lights, they, as you said, they really can, they can really wash you out if you're not wearing enough color and makeup and and I don't mean necessarily the heavy contouring because that wasn't really what's well, not it doesn't really work for what we're doing with studio lights I think it doesn't work as well yeah but the you know you you want to have coverage and you want to have good definition of blush as you said a lip and and, and, and a, yeah you know but I do think you need to find makeup artists that are qualified in, in yes just, there are so many now I have to say I was casting in my day job for a wedding show um for TLC. This is completely not connected to Bridechiller. This has just happened to be <laughs> as a TV producer, I picked up a job which was for a wedding show and I was like, snap it, I haven't done this before. And I, part of our casting was to talk to makeup artists and I, I probably visited 500 makeup artists' Facebook Ooh. pages. Like it was crazy. We had a week of just talking to makeup artists and shit oh dear, did I see a variety of skill sets in those yep. Facebook pages. <laughs> And you could really see who, you know, is looking for moving into the drag industry, like really going for that sort of look. And I say that as going, some people look really good in really heavy, dense makeup. Yes. Other people, it doesn't look great. And if you don't wear that sort of makeup every day, to then go from zero to 12 or 15, it can be a bit of a shock. And I think a lot of people watching discussions in the Facebook group who aren't big makeup wearers, and mm-hmm. I agree with you, Kevin, when I'm not at work, if I'm just, I'm sitting here right now, no makeup, yep. I'm about to go and play tennis. I'm not going to put makeup on to go and play tennis. Nope. <laughs> but if I'm out, I love a mascara. Yeah. I love a little, a little bit of eyeliner and I love a strong lip. But yes. I'm also a freckly person. So I know <laughs> that not having if I go, if, you know, unless I'm working and doing a gig mm-hmm. or something, I've got quite a light foundation. I like a BB cream or something. Yeah. But if someone then did what I saw in some of these groups of some of these makeup artists on me, I I just don't think I'd feel very comfortable or very sexy. And I think some people feel the expectations they need to go hugely, you know, OTT on the makeup. And if yeah, it's not definitely you, not. 
Mm-mm. Don't do it. But if that's yeah. you, fucking great. Just do it. Yeah. I mean, that, and that's the thing. Like I say, you know, whether you're a natural or no makeup person or a heavier mm-hmm. makeup person, just kick it up a little bit for your photos. You know, there's yep. no need to go from, you know, zero to 10, but maybe you go from like a one to a three or you go from a three to a five, you know, just a little bit extra so it shows up. And here's the thing, like there's makeup artists of all kinds. There's some makeup artists. And honestly, I don't know what it is, but a lot of my makeup artist friends do not ever seem to update their website. So I like to send oh. my couples, my brides to their Instagrams. That's more fresh. So check out their Instagram. It's full of their recent work. If every single photo they're posting is really heavy makeup and that's not what you're looking for, find somebody else. Like I've got some friends who specialize in natural makeup. I have some friends who specialize in kind of middle of the road. They can do natural, they can do a little heavier, but they're usually sort of like that medium. And then I have a couple friends who do pretty much almost exclusively heavier makeup. So there are different styles that you can certainly find. Just like with hair, there's people who are better at doing braids and people who are better at doing, you know, down, curled, whatever. So find the kind of style you want first. Don't go to somebody who does crazy heavy makeup and expect, you know, supernatural makeup. Even if you tell them I want really natural, they still might be heavier handed (laughs) than you would like. So find the right person. And if you're trying to find good people, ask your photographer. I stare at people's faces on my screen while editing constantly. So I see the makeup artists who don't do good work. And I see the ones who do. I see the ones who don't blend their eyeshadow well. And I see the ones who leave a thousand bobby pins behind in the bride's hair. I'm not photoshopping that out. And so ask your photographer. They will really know better than any other vendor what that makeup looks like from beginning to end and how well it photographs. I love getting advice, asking for and this is goes for lots of different vendors, but I think that if you are talking, obviously wedding planners have a really good idea of vendors in their area that they trust and the recommendations that you give out as a vendor, this comes back on you as a as yes. a person. So, you know, vendors aren't giving out shitty advice because one, they don't no. want to work with six. <laughs> no. <laughs> and they don't want it to back, you know, come back and go, oh, Kevin told me about this makeup and I said, she's shit. And I look, I looked really <laughs> rubbish. So it's going to make your job easier. So I just think, as you said, Instagram is such a great place to go and follow hashtags and look at venue hashtags Mm -hmm. and who's been married where and people tagging everyone, but also just speak to your vendors and just say, who do you have you worked with lately? That's shit hot. Yeah. You want to work with again or who have you and maybe share who you're working with and go, do you rate these people? Because I think from the majority of vendors I've spoken to on this show, they're going to give you the honest you know, answer when it comes to someone that sucks. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, if I had one of my brides say, I'm thinking about this person and I didn't like that person, I would just professionally be like, why don't we consider some of these other people here? That's kind of the way that I would do it. Uh, But yeah, I mean, I love giving out recommendations for my brides, for people I trust who I know are pleasant to work with. They do great work. They are professional. Their customer service is excellent. I, somebody has to hit all of those different points for me to refer them. And hair and makeup, I have a list of like three different companies that I am obsessed with that I would trust. And one of them I did trust to do my own wedding. Mm. And 
a lot of times when my brides don't listen to me and they use somebody else, I can tell that there is a little bit of a quality difference. And a lot of times when they go rogue and they use somebody I've never heard of, so many times that team is really late. Whereas the team of hair and makeup people I recommend, they're always early or right on time because hair and makeup, if they make you late, you lose out on so many portraits. So it's important to go professional with somebody who's experienced and knows how long it's going to take them to do these services and make you beautiful think about your timeline. I think this goes back to that idea that it's better to have extra time and get yes. up half an hour earlier. Just do it. <laughs> just make it happen. Most of the weddings that, uh, again, going back to this TV show I've been working on, you know, we've had some 5.30 starts and actually they've had five or six bridesmaids and it's take and they've been getting married at two o'clock in the afternoon. It's like, I'm like, yep. fucking hell, that's early. Actually, it, it wasn't that early. <laughs> it got down to the line with some of these people. So, it yeah. really made me respect the timeline, but also just going, just give yourself an extra 45 in the timeline for contingency yep. to not have to deal with that shit because you don't want someone rushing and you want to enjoy it as well. You want to have a nice, you know, if, if you're not having the makeup experience, you don't get it regularly, which half of us wouldn't. You want to yeah. enjoy it. I'm so glamorous. Oh, I promise we'd do one more lighting and then I think we're going to have to come back and invite you for another episode because we are hitting our half an hour mark and uh that's my secret half an hour mark there's no rule <laughs> I just think it's a good time for podcasts but someone did ask about lighting mm-hmm. they said it was bride chiller Emily said do you have tips for outdoor photos in a variety of lights e.g posing in direct sun versus sunset anything we can do to make lighting our outdoor venue at night better and then someone also, Melinda, extended this and said, we're doing a first look at 2 p.m. I'm worried that the lighting is going to be too harsh. Now, of course, mm-hmm. this is a very general answer because we've got people getting married all over the world in different yes. seasons, different times to this. You know, there's no right answer to this. That's my little precursor. I'm sure you're going to say the same. But what? Yes. how do you think about photographs and lighting? Yeah. So to answer one of those pretty quickly, posing in direct sun versus blah, 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 that's something the photographer should definitely be handling. I personally prefer to backlight my subjects, which means the sun is behind them. And I know that scares a lot of people because when you take photos of yourself on your iPhone, um, especially if you have darker skin with the sun behind you, the phone freaks out and it does not expose you properly. But if you know what you're doing with your camera, then it looks so, so beautiful. I mean, my photos on my website would look like garbage. (laughs) if that wasn't true. (laughs) So let your photographer do it and let them make the choices. Now I will sometimes post people in full sun for wider shots. Mm -hmm. Full sun is hard to look at. People are squinty. So I might do something where I'm further away from the couple. If we're trying to get a specific background in the shot and it only works with full sun, I will put them wider. So that way, if they kind of are looking down, it's not as obvious because I don't want them to be staring right at me. They might not be able to hold their eyes open. Mm -hmm. And sometimes I'll also have them facing away from the sun, but their backs are in full sun and I'm shooting that. So that's something I like to do. Full sun can be very, very harsh on the skin, especially if you have any texture in your skin, which most people do. So that's not really a lighting method that I use close up whatsoever. Mm -hmm. So 
that's kind of, you know, my personal preference. Some photographers love shooting in full sun constantly, but you'll you'll notice that on their portfolio. But when it comes to what the couple can do, number one, do not schedule your ceremony ever, ever, ever to be like right in the middle of the day. So noon, 1 p.m., the sun is going to be directly overhead. And what that does is it makes the tops of everything super bright. Mm-hmm. And then anything that's not kind of jutting out, very dark. So for example, your forehead and your nose are going to be very bright. And then your eye sockets are going to be very dark under your chin and under your nose are going to have harsh shadows. So it's really just not flattering. If you go stand under a little lamp and see what it does to you, it's almost like horror story lighting. So just avoid that time of day. Now you can find shady areas for portraits during that time, or you can take portraits inside, but please do not have your brunch ceremony right at noon. Do it earlier, like 10 a.m. I've had to have couples of mine change that before, and I'm so glad they listened to me and one did not. And yeah, there's nothing I can do about that lighting. So in terms of kind of your ceremony time, I typically recommend setting your ceremony about, and this is if you do a first look, okay, setting your ceremony about an hour and a half-ish before sunset. You can Google the sunset time for your specific city and date to figure this out. That's typically a really nice place to start it. If you're not doing a first look, I would definitely say don't go any closer than an hour and a half because you're going to want to have light that's still existing during your cocktail hour for all of your portraits. But it's a really great time to start it. And then you can get some lovely sunset portraits as well of the two of you. So that's a really great time to set your ceremony. And then in terms of reception lighting, you do need to make sure that your guests can see, uh, especially your older guests. So you need to have some sort of lighting. Um, Sometimes market lighting hung above you is enough to light your area if there's some other existing lighting around the area. But if you're like literally getting married in a field, please make sure you have adequate lighting. Like don't try to save money and then people can't see and that like your guests don't want to walk around because they're tripping on everything. So market lighting, maybe some up lights, maybe what they even call wash lighting. It just kind of lays some lighting all over the area. Um, And you can always go check out some weddings that are happening at your same spot before your wedding happens. So you could just stop by and see, this is what this looks like. Okay, that looks good or that looks a little too dark. So you can get an idea that way or look at past photos of receptions at your venue to figure out what level of lighting you need. And hopefully the venue person will also be able to give you some good guidance on this. Oh my gosh. Listen to you. You just smash it out of the park every time. I don't even have to talk. I just could go away and come back. She's answered all the questions. (laughs) She's a bloody star. Now, listen, we are going to bring you back. So how about this? You You come back. And we okay. answer more questions. And then I pop this on the air in a couple of weeks and uh, we enjoy ourselves in the meantime. And especially you should, before we go, tell everyone how they book you, especially if they're in the San Diego area. Well, you travel as, as well though, don't you? I do. I've got a wedding in Jamaica next year. I'm very excited about. So yes, I will travel pretty much anywhere that it is reasonably safe for me to travel. And I am primarily based in San Diego. I work a lot in Palm Springs, San Diego, Orange County. I also love San Francisco. And so those are kind of my main areas, but I will literally go anywhere. And that's always super fun and honored 
to be able to travel for my couples. And my best place to find me, honestly, if you just want quick access to pretty photos, my Instagram, Cavin Elizabeth. And then my website for more official contacting and whatnot is CavanElizabeth.com. And then my YouTube channel is also Cavin Elizabeth. If you would like further educational tips and whatnot, I've got apparently over 140 videos on there. Someone just told me. So lots of stuff. Yeah. Your YouTube content is fabulous. And uh, I think people should go there, absorb, absorb, absorb. And return to the Bridechiller podcast weekly, Yes, but also particularly when you're back and learn more and we will answer more of these fabulous questions. Kevin, thank you so much for coming on the show. And uh, if you have a question that's photography related or not photography related, just a question in general, if you want to just talk to me, do it. Leave me a voice message <laughs> by visiting thebridechiller.com. Of course, you can pick up Kevin's book at her website. You can also pick up my books. I'm going to hold it out now at bridechiller.com <laughs> and also the Oh Shit Kit, which is going gangbusters, as we'd say. Uh, you can collect your Oh Shit Kit there too. Until next episode of the Bridechiller podcast, my lovely friends, happy days. Chilla Podcast, empowering you to kick wedding planning ass every day. 